With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. G'day, it's Ben Davis. Thanks for catching up on Mornings here on SENQ. But you know what? You can also catch up some great content with other SEN shows, such as Brecky with Patty and Heels, The Captain's Run with Cameron Smith and Denon Kemp, all on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But until then, sit back and enjoy and make sure you tell your mates. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Oh, g'day. Thanks for biting down on the mouth guard with me this Wednesday. Not Jack Whiten style, though. No, he is the luckiest bloke in rugby league, I reckon. Three weeks, should have got six, at least. Does the punishment fit the crime? 13 13 55 0467 736 736. If Corey Horsburgh gets four weeks for a good hit, which someone deemed a shoulder charge. How does someone get three weeks for biting? Not having a crack at Jack Whiten, I'm having a crack at the system because biting is one of the worst acts in the game, right? It's in the grand final with eye gouging. And if it's not the worst act, what is? Tell me what's worse than biting. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Again, This is not about Jack Whiten. This is about a player being found guilty of an act and then being punished accordingly. And that hasn't happened here. Surely the punishment for the worst act in the game needs to be the worst punishment possible, right? No? What am I missing here? 13 13 0467736736. Although, what what would I know? I, I haven't played the game at the highest level. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Yeah, Jack Whiten. Um, weird defence from Jack having a crack at the NRL council. Patrick Knowles, his name was. He used six angles last night to mount his case that Jack Whiten did bite. Tyson Gamble, and then under cross-examination, he suggested that Tyson Gamble had applied little pressure to the back of Jack Whiten's head before the bite. Jack's response, mate, how many games of rugby league have you played? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Jack, 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 Jack. I don't know if that was the smartest play, especially when you've got a referee in Paul Simpkins on the panel deciding your fate because how many games of rugby league has he played? I don't buy that argument. I actually find that argument of, oh, you haven't played the game, what would you know? Well, I actually find that's an argument when you don't have an argument. It's almost a default of you can't express your argument properly. You might have different feelings 
maybe he has got a point. Should those who have played the game be the ones actually making a decision on what happens in a game? I don't buy that argument in any walk of life. I mean, otherwise, you're never going to have a male obstetrician, right? How would we know what it's like to give birth? And the list goes on. So I'm not buying it, but maybe you think it's different. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Interesting to hear what Mel Meninga's thoughts are on this and what he makes of it all, because he wrote a character reference for Jack Whiten. Again, I'm not having a crack at Jack about this. I'm having a crack at the system. Three weeks for biting in the fair income department. Are they trying to stamp it out of the game? Are they trying to set it as a deterrent? Where would you go when it comes to biting? Six weeks minimum. You start at eight. What is the deterrent here? Uh, Mal Meninga, not only did he write a character reference for Jack White and he's been busy over the last couple of days, he has picked a Prime Minister's 13 team for next week. I'm going to run through that before we talk to Mal. Plenty of halves in that team, like plenty, almost half of the team. Uh, are either sixes or sevens. Uh, But the big question to Mal is the centre pairing. Not for the Prime Minister's 13, but for Australia going forward in the Tri-Series. Maybe we get some clues with the team that he has picked in the Prime Minister's 13. I I asked you this yesterday. With Latrell Mitchell seemingly not able to play, he's either going to have to have surgery or South don't want him to play because of that hand injury. And Valentine Holmes at long odds, in fact, no chance of playing for Australia whilst under this integrity uh, investigation. Where does Mal go for the centres? A lot of you yesterday in your texts and calls said Stephen Crichton's got to be one of them. Well, does he? He played for Samoa last year at the World Cup. Now, I know World Cup years are different. Samoa are a Tier 2 nation, and Stephen Crichton played State of Origin this year. So if you play State of Origin, doesn't that mean you're available for selection of Australia? We'll find out from the Australian coach where he is going with this. 13 13 0467 So much has happened over the last 24 hours since you and I last spoke. The AFL Tribunal, it was a marathon hearing when it came to uh, Braden Maynard, oh, they got that one right. I reckon they got that right. Mid-flight, what can he do? How can he change his way? I think it was 400 milliseconds a biomechanist came in to give evidence. The one I was waiting for evidence from was NASA. They brought in everyone else to give evidence on this, physics, biomechanics, space engineering, everything. But Braden Maynard is free to play for Collingwood next weekend in a prelim final. They got that right, I think. But it was a watershed decision for the AFL. It could have changed the complexion of the game. I think they've got it right. What say you, 13, 13, 55, um, We have learnt today too that Simona Halep has been suspended for four years for having an illicit sub, sorry, a, an illegal substance in her system. This is the tennis player uh, from War Number 1. Now, we know that she has been under a provisional suspension since October last year. So it means it will be October 2026 before we see her play again. By that stage, she's in her mid-30s. I think it's career over. But the bigger picture out of this, and I'll tell you what, it comes off the back of Serena Williams and a tweet that she put out after this decision was handed down. And it was very cryptic, although it's pretty easy to see what she's trying to say. 
The tweet read along the lines of the number eight is better. This is in reference to Serena's seven Wimbledon titles. She was going for number eight against Simona Halep and Simona beat her. So the suggestions or the inference from Serena's cryptic tweet is that she would have thought Simona was on the gear then. That's my take on it. You may have a different one. So bigger picture stuff. If someone has been found guilty of being a drug cheat, what happens to the titles, the medals that they win? Surely they get stripped, right? That's a given. But then what happens to these titles? Should they be given to the runner-up or to the next in line? Say if a team has won a bronze medal or somebody, an athlete, has won a bronze medal, does the person who comes fourth get that bronze medal? Should they be retrospectively handed down, given back? I know some sports do that. I know there has been precedence where this happened before, but then you look what's happened with Lance Armstrong. And all those Tour de France victories. No one else was given the yellow jersey, were they? Should they be? If someone is found guilty of drug cheating, should they be, the title they won, be handed to the person that's come runner-up and going down the line that way? And if not, what should happen to titles, to those who have been found guilty of being drug cheats? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Plenty to sink our teeth into this morning too. Jamie Winkup is going to be up after 11 o'clock. The Enduros start in the supercars, and that means co-drivers. The greatest of all time, Jamie Winkup. He's getting out from behind the desk. He's getting back into behind the wheel. He is teaming up with Brock Feeney. I want to ask him about SVG as well. It's the last year for the man who could easily go down as the goat of supercars. He's got to be the best driver in the series right now. He's currently sitting second, but what will he do next year? Yeah, we know he's going to NASCAR. Nothing signed and sealed yet, but will we see him back at the mountain? And the Brisbane Bullets. That's right, NBL season is fast approaching. They had their season launch last night. In studio, I'll have the coach, the new coach, and the new CEO. It's a brand new roster. There is a lot of new faces. What does the season look like for the Bullets so far? Memberships, I'm pretty sure they're all sold out. I don't think you can get a ticket. Or, sorry, I don't think you can get a membership anymore. Of course, you can get tickets to the game, but memberships... Mm, Brisbane Bullets. So a big show coming up, 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736 to get involved. But before we do that, let's do this. And now, time for Ben's Snap Judgment. Who is it that all Australia raves about? Who has won our very highest praise? Brisbane's newest home of sport. It needs to be at its oldest, the original home of sport. We need to go back to the future when it comes to selecting Brisbane's next sporting venue. You and I have spoken about this uh, over a a number of, I was going to say weeks, but it's been months. And it all is around the Gabba redevelopment. Cricket and AFL need somewhere to play when the Gabba gets knocked down and rebuilt. And for me, it should go to Queensland's original home of sport, a place where the Don and Dally M both played. Queensland's original home of sport, Lang Park? Nah. It was a cemetery until the turn of last century. It didn't start hosting sport until the 1920s. And that sport was athletics. Am I talking the Gabba? 
Mm-mm, close, but the first cricket match there wasn't until 1896. And that was between the parliament and the press. <laughs> God, can you imagine that these days? Anyway, no, no. I- I'm talking a decade earlier. I'm talking a Brisbane institution, a Brisbane icon, the Ecker. The exhibition grounds, the showgrounds. It was our original field of dreams way back in 1886. Since then, it's hosted rugby league, rugby union, cricket, AFL, speedway, cycling, tennis, athletics, darts, the trots, and baseball. <laughs> Does anyone, anyone remember going to watch the Bandits at the Ecker? 1886, it all started with athletics. Then trotting and cycling came in, cricket as well. In 1895, the first intercolonial tennis match took place and it was at the Brisbane Exhibition Grounds, Queensland taking on New South Wales. A year later, the ground became the main venue for cycle racing. This is our original home of sport, Queensland's original home of sport. Right now, you're listening to Queensland's newest home of sport, SENQ, but I'm talking our original field of dreams, the Ecker. Five league tests were played there. Three rugby tests have been played at the exhibition ground. Uh, Rugby, it was back in before the turn of last century. The British Isles, they played 1899 and 1904. We're talking your granddad or your great-granddad. I remember my granddad telling me stories about watching rugby league tests at the Ecker. 70 years after the second rugby test, it was moved back there, the game of rugby, 1971. I'm sure you listening now may have memories of this. It was the scene of those angry apartheid or anti-apartheid demonstrations. 1971, Springboks, they were supposed to play at Ballymore. They shifted it to the Ecker. Why? Because it was easier to erect barricades at the exhibition ground because they knew the protesters were coming. Brizzy's first ever rugby league test was played against the Kiwis in 1908. Where? The Ecker. And a 25-year-old centre called Dally Messenger was playing his second test in the centres. How good was that? 20 years later, a bloke called Bradman walked out into the middle of the exhibition grounds and made 18 in his test debut. The history, the tradition, this institution, it is a no-brainer that when we're looking for a new home of cricket and AFL while the Gabba gets redeveloped, it's the old home. We've got to go back to the future, don't we? Imagine the theatre, the sense of state pride, resurrecting the birthplace of sport in our state. The story goes that we played the Poms in a few more league tests after the one that Dally M played. In fact, it was one a year after Bradman debuted. 1946, the crowds were overflowing. They reckon there was 40,000 at the Ecker that day. Well, that was the official number. They shut the gates three hours before kickoff, but they were forced open. The crowd was so big, they were climbing the walls. They reckon the attendance that day was probably closer to 50. It's a multi-use stadium. It has been ever since day one, and it was servicing the newest colony in the Commonwealth, the Brisbane Exhibition Grounds. 
History alone points to this is where the Heat, the Bulls, the Lions, maybe even the Australian cricket team should be playing while the gap has been rebuilt. You know about Bradman. You know about Dallium. Now for the third amigo. 1952, round eight of the VFL. Essendon and Geelong play at the Ecker. Bombers legend John Coleman. Yep, he's got a medal named after him as well. Mm-hmm. Coleman medal. He booted 13 goals that day for Essendon against Geelong. You can't make this stuff up, can you? Bradman, Dallium and Coleman all played at the Ecker. Sporting history is all but begging the exhibition grounds to be the home of the Lions and to be the home of cricket when the Gabba gets rebuilt. So how does that happen? What's it going to take? In about 20 minutes' time, I'll be talking to the perfect man to take us there. Because as if this script isn't good enough already, 100 years ago, Brisbane base builder John Hutchison built the Ernest Bain stand at the Ecker. It still stands today. Two tiers, seated 5,000, held 7,000. Steel frame, faced with brick. It's got to be preserved, right? What cost does that come with? Scotty Hutchison, fifth generation builder, on the show after this, after your calls, after your texts, he can give us some idea. It's 20 past nine, off and running for a Wednesday morning. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Gee, I've got an allegation of a bite. So yeah, are you going through with this or I'm gonna find a the back of my head and push it down, what am I meant to do? Is there a bite or there's there's a bite, mate? Hey, I can't move my mouth. He's gonna move his arm. Slab and Sam, you've outdone yourself. A bit of Jaws action when it comes to Tyson Gamble and Jack White. And Jack White found guilty last night at the judiciary of biting three weeks. Three weeks. Really? For biting. If I'm Corey Horsburgh, I am throwing stuff. I'm throwing hands. I'm throwing... I'm, I'd... I was about to say something would get me in trouble with the RSPCA. 131355 is the number. <laughs> 0467736. Well, this has gone bananas. Peach, I'm going to start with you. Uh, what's worse than biting? Well, eye poking and bum poking. Uh, yeah, look, the John Hopperwadi theme is coming through big time. But you have a look at Hopper. He got, he basically got chased out of the game. So again, three weeks compared to what Hopper got. Uh, let me go again. Uh, yes, Damien, two words, John Hopperwadi. Uh, that would be very hollow way to win. Oh, he's talking about some Mona Halep and uh, it comes to the drugs. Uh, look, I think, and I'm going to take this away from Jack White and insert Fred Bloggs here. Three weeks for biting. That can't be, that can't be the punishment. Can it? 
And if biting is not the worst thing in the game, what is outside of John Hopawati? Uh, just on the Ecker, uh, Ben, you're on the money with the Ecker grounds. It should be developed if cricket is back in the Olympics. Hello, there we go. Uh, they can play a gold medal there as well. Well, the cricket back in the Olympics, yeah, that's definitely on the cards. They're going to be putting that to a vote now in Mumbai. We thought it was going to be last Friday in London, but they've actually kicked that can down the road. And I think it's quite strategic because the next time the IOC meet will be in Mumbai. So hmm, a little bit of pressure there from the Indians as well. Um, the RNA showgrounds, Ben. This one's from Murray, the Black Button Ambassador. Muzz, very good morning to you. He's been 40,000 at the RNA showgrounds. Also, 38,000 pork pie hats and 2,470 Gladstone bags. Gladstone bags. What are Gladstone bags? Gladstone bags. I'm going to have to look that up. Unless anyone else can help me out. Gladstone bags. Um, Tim has said, don't forget the Brisbane club and representative soccer. It played to a pack house at the exhibition ground. Soccer, of course, Tim. Sorry, where's my head at? I, and I've seen the photos. Of course I had. I must have left soccer off the list, apparently. Uh, apologies. Uh, let me see here. Oh, the, the texts are flying in. Every time I go to read one, another one comes in over the top of it. Uh, ben, this one's from Mike. Hey, Ben, read a title going to the runner-up to a drug cheat with tennis. The drug cheat title winner might have been a player that the drug cheat defeated in the earlier rounds that then may have gone on to make the final. Hey, it's a good point, Mike, isn't it? So maybe then it doesn't come down to the person who was runner-up in the finals. Mm. Yeah, it does open a Pandora's box, doesn't it? Uh, Someone reminded me earlier that the – okay, when it comes to teams and when it comes to individual sports, so let's throw that out there as well. Because someone reminded me of the last time New South Wales won a state of origin decider at Suncorp Stadium. A bloke called Rodney Howe was man of the match. Pretty sure that was the last game he played for about 18 months, and we all know why. So does Queensland get that win? See, that's a team sport. But I would argue if you're the best player on that team on that night, i.e. Roddy Howe, and then you you get busted for using uh, an illegal substance, then surely you've helped your team win because you were the difference on the night. Or can it even apply to team sports because there's so many variable factors? It's a good one to bring in. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Uh, Mark's gone to say, Ben, the spear tackle is number one because it can cause really permanent damage. That is worse than biting. Biting, though, is second. So there we go. He's got biting in the grand final. How can you only get three weeks for a bite? The NRL judiciary is a joke. Strong words from Mark. Do you agree? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Um, I know it's a well and true tried tested line that we throw out in the radio world about the board lighting up, but this has gone berserk. I'm going to take a quick breath, put some order into this. We'll get a new sip from Vanessa. Back with more of your thoughts in just a tick. I like the synergy here. I know Powderfinger is our theme song going through, but Powderfinger uh, off Vulture Street, Vulture Street, the Gabba. See, that's my tenuous link. I'm in Brisbane. We're all separated by two degrees of separation anyway. Uh, Callum, thank you for your text. Hey, Ben, on the Harley's situation, the, the, the final V Serena was in 2019. 
And Halep only tested positive to doping after the US Open last year. Either side of that Wimbledon final, she would have been subject to testing and passed it. Otherwise, it would have come out far earlier. Exactly. Serena's put this tweet out with no proof. But she obviously felt that being walloped 6-2, 6-2 in the 2019 Wimbledon final. Hmm. We're joining dots here. We're putting it together. I don't think Serena has been subtle about this at all. Eight is a better number. Simona Hellop denied her getting to that eight Wimbledon titles. Hmm. Uh, A text coming through. uh, 354 is how it ends. No name on it. Wasn't the first Origin game also played at the Echo? Technicality. Origin obviously started in 1980, Lane Park. But if you're referring to interstate games, Queensland and New South Wales and Rugby League, might be on the money. Because Lane Park really only became the home of Rugby League in the 50s. Before that, as I mentioned, there were test matches at the Ecker. Dally Messenger, Dally M, played his second test for Australia at the Ecker. The Exhibition Grounds, the Brisbane Showgrounds, the RNA, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the Gladstone bag from Pat is a leather bag that had a hinge on it that clipped down at the ends. Oh, okay. You know, I picture that. Almost every railway worker had them as a bag in the 60s and 70s. What did they have in them? Was it what they carried their lunch in or railway workers? So it wasn't like a briefcase. Was it the original man bag? Were they the Reese Walshers of the 60s and 70s? Uh, 131355 I'm going to take a quick break. Back to talk the RNA with a man who, well, his blood and his family lineage is part of it. That's right. Hutchies. Scott Hutchison, the chairman of Hutchison's, because they built, his family built the Ernest Bain stand, which still stands today at the Ecker. Remarkably, it was 100 years ago. In 1923, that it opened and was up and running for the Echo. So if you were to redevelop the Brisbane showgrounds, that needs to be preserved, right? What goes into that? How much would go into it? Might as well talk to a builder and a bloke who knows a bit about it. Straight after this. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Oh, Slam and Sam. Right, okay. Uh, excellent. Good. You threw me there, but it's it's a nice play on that. A nice play on that. I'm sure Scott will be very appreciative on that. Before we get there, Pat has followed up on his Gladstone bag. Hey, Ben, they were very similar to the bookies bags, but smaller. There we go. We're getting an education today, not only on Gladstone bags, but what has been played at the exhibition grounds here in Brisbane, our original home of sport in this state. And a man who's got a family connection to that, it goes all the way back to his great-grandfather who built the stand, the Ernest Bain stand at the RNA, Scott Hutchison from Hutchison Builders. He's the chairman now. Scott, very good morning to you. Great to have a chat. Should cricket and AFL relocate to the Echo during the Gabba being rebuilt? <laughs> yeah, look, I'm a big fan of the RNA. Um, uh, 
the the gap the the um, RNA grounds are so good because everyone knows it and. When you're leaving there, there's so much else to do. You can go into the valley, so it's perfect for it's perfect for music venue um, as a music venue or a festival venue, and that, the the pluses that make it great for that make it great for sport. I know we had the deputy Lord Mayor on the program a couple of weeks ago, and she just said King Street. If you put the sport at the RNA, King Street would become the new Caxton Street of uh, of Brisbane. So it would unlock that area, um, mate. The the family connection. To the RNA, I know yeah. it's something you're so proud of. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, when each, each of my nephews and nieces and children turn 18, I buy them life memberships to the RNA. So I'm a big fan of the place. Mm, brilliant, and it's still standing now. Now I know a lot would need. My stand to... is, yeah, the stand is. <laughs> yes, well, and I guess that was one of the things that popped up when we were discussing this uh, a few weeks ago about the showgrounds being redeveloped for sport. I mean, it'd be a fairly major project. Now, I, I, I'm, that's one of the reasons why I've come to you going, well, how how big a project would it be considering there's a fairly big heritage part to this to work around? Yes, it'd be difficult. Uh, I haven't studied it closely. It'd be difficult, but it's doable. Um, I've just come back from the cricket in, in um, England at Old Trafford and they put up temporary stands there uh, so that's another option you can do. Temporary stands aren't as um, objectionable as, as as some people think they are. Mm, okay. Um, and what type of, uh, again, I know this is all ballpark stuff, but what type of time frame w- would be needed to, to get oh. it up to speed? And again, look, I know these are... Look, that's, yeah. a, that's how long's a piece of string, but I'd say a couple of years. Two years would be probably the shortest. Mm, because the, the, the big... Unless you're going for temporary yep. temporary facilities. Because the, I guess the, the the big question around this is that they need to make a decision. They need to sort of get started if they're going to pull the gabber down in 2026, which really is coming up pretty fast. So there would need to be some sort of decision made shortly about where it goes. Probably, but I'm not across it. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, it's coming up. But uh, depend on depending on how permanent they want the, the structures to be there. When it comes to working around buildings of heritage listing, I mean, how much preparation, what detail, what are they looking for to, that, that builders have to work around? I'm talking generality, generalities here, Scott. Yeah, well, you wouldn't be able to ta- uh, uh, really touch any of the, the heritage listed stands, I think, even though that's been done before, before heritage uh, listing was um, uh, was considered really important. So you'd have to work around the, the, the stands that weren't heritage listed. And there's a lot of stuff around there that isn't. Mm-hmm. And can you can you build over the top of them? And what are some of the prerequisites when it comes to that? Like the things you can or can't do? Well, there's plenty of, uh, of um, old just uh, handrails and concrete there. Mm. So uh, that's that's not hard to build over. And, and again, it depends if they want to make the, the um, RNA a, a permanent um, big ground or they're, they're just doing temporary stuff, which, which it suits. Uh, it certainly works at Old Trafford. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. We're, we're looking around the world, aren't we, when, when it comes to building stadia, and, and not just at the RNA, not just at the Gabba, we're, we're looking at what the rest of the world is doing. Um, you, you mentioned temporary stands. Is there anything else that's that's jumped out of you like, from, 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 a, from a builder's yeah, I'll tell perspective? You what jumped yeah. 
Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not giving a very good builder's perspective because I'm a and I'm a fan of the the the, the ground itself. I think it's the best fest, uh, music festival ground in the world that I've seen, and I've been to lots of them. Um, but it's um, it, I noticed at Old Trafford, uh, I, the the facilities weren't as good as uh, as we have in Australia, and that's because a cricket ground here share the ground with uh, Aussie rules. And uh, it's that double feature, if you like, that um, that, that gets you better facilities. So uh, um, that seems to work well. Yeah, they, well, they get to be used all year round, don't they? During winter and yeah. uh, and summer as as well, which is um, which is yeah. fantastic, mate. You just mentioned music festivals. How was burning? Yeah, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Don't believe what you read. It it sure. What happened was it, it poured down rain and the, the ground turned to um, like glue. Getting 10 metres was extremely hard. So wherever you were caught uh, when it rained, that's where you had to be for two days and two nights. And if that was a good place, it was fantastic. If it was a bad place, it was terrible. Well, I know there's music festivals coming up here at the Echo too. I was just uh, when I was doing the research yep. on this about what what they've what they've held, what they've staged on a sporting sense. But th- th- there's a big one next weekend as well. So, if it was redeveloped or if it was temporary stands put in, would that enhance its uh, attractiveness to to bringing bigger acts or other acts into into this space? It, it probably would would, but it's big enough. Um... Uh, anyway, for most acts, mm. you can get a, a lot of people on the ground. Remember, with music, you've got people on the yeah. on the ground, not on the not necessarily in the stands. There's always some people that want to go in the stands, so it's pretty well suited. Or it's very well suited to music already. But extra stands would help. You'd be able to do much bigger acts. Yeah, and, and when it comes to consideration, I mean, we, we you know we can sometimes think about okay, it stands somewhere to sit, but there's a lot of other facilities you need. And you mentioned about the facilities not being as advanced at Old Trafford. What are the other considerations you have to think? I mean, you know, I'm thinking food outlets, I'm thinking toilets, I'm thinking there's 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 stuff that yes. we probably wouldn't think about that necessarily that sort of jumps into your mind. Well, the food outlets are already there. For the Ecker, there's plenty of food at the the Ecker, um, so that that's ticked off. But at Old Trafford, they had portaloos everywhere, so um, if it's acceptable for the Ashes cricket, it, it it would be okay to do that temporarily. And I that really awoke me to um, how. Um, reasonable is to do to do temporary facilities. Yeah, okay. I reckon we need to get more than portaloos in here just quietly. We can make something better. I, yeah, that. nobody yeah. likes them. No. <laughs> I've just come back from Burning Man. I hate them. <laughs> but um, um, but uh, listen, it, it does the, for the for the major cricket grounds in England because they only get the big crowds yeah. um, every couple of years. Scott, before I let you go, I know you said you haven't put too much thought into it, but if it comes to push and shove and they decide that the RNA could be a place to go, would Hutchies be putting their hand up for it? Yeah, we we haven't done a lot of stadiums, uh, but, yeah, we'd be putting a hand up for it, for sure. Um, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd love our association with the RNA and we've done work there um, over the years. But, um, yes, it, depending on... Uh, the size of the, the stand and the redevelopment, we'd love to be a part of it. How much say do the, the companies like yours have in that or is it more you get handed a set of plans and off you go? 
Uh, it depends. There's, they can bring the contractor in early and um, negotiate and help plan it with the contractor, or they can go to tender. It depends what uh, probity issues they have. Mm. Um, but generally, early earlier contractor engagement is being um, looked on more and more favourably, especially with the crazy building boom that's going on now. Nobody's uh, putting things out to tender. Well, that's the other thing. I, I, we can't even go down that path because, again, it, probably the answer is how long's a piece of string because of everything that's going on in the world and supply chains and uh, and the whatnot. Mate, really appreciate your time. I know you've just got back into the country too, so so thank you for that. And thank you for giving us an insight My into, into, well, one, I mean, the family history there, but also what it might take and, and how we can get around and, and maybe make this happen because I'm a mad fan for it too. So, Scott, yeah, let's yeah. keep let's it's, keep pushing. It's a great it. place. It is indeed. Thanks, mate. Appreciate your time, <laughs> Scott Hutchison. There, he's he's a big supporter of sport as well. We know his contract, his contacts, and his involvement with well, Broncos, Cowboys, Lions, um, oh, West Rugby down at Sylvan Road. They redeveloped uh, the clubhouse down there. So, um, yeah, a, a big fan of sport, big fan of music, and you know what? It's about entertainment, and that's exactly what the showgrounds were built for in the original sense back in the late 1800s it was to showcase and to entertain to show what the newest colony of the commonwealth had and sport quickly devoured it it quickly came and been a part of it terry think for your text ben i agree with the echo being a place to be used for all sports there's one sport that you missed yeah so i know i've been picked up on this already and it's history at the echo going back to 1927 not the band, the year. Football was played there as well as 1933 v New Zealand, 1938 v India. India, football, soccer, and 1969 against Greece. Terry, thank you for the history lesson. We're getting one this morning here on SENQ 131355 Fast approaching 9.52 this Wednesday morning. Mal Meninga coming up after 10. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Thanks for your company. We are doing it this morning. All thanks to Mac is proud sponsors of the Little Legends supporting grassroots sports in Queensland. It's a big weekend coming up. We've got the, yes, preliminary finals and preliminary finals. We've got the Host Plus Cup Grand Final. We've got semi-finals in AFL and Rugby League. We've got the supercars back at Sandown. So much to talk about over the next two hours. Mal Meninga standing by. Um, Jack Whiten, it is the topic of conversation this morning, but more so the charge and the fallout from it. Jack Whiten was found guilty at the judiciary for biting. For me, Jack Whiten is the luckiest man in rugby league. Three weeks, should have got six. This is not having a go at Jack Whiten. This is having a go at the system. Does the punishment fit the crime? Surely one of the worst acts in the game should come with one of the worst punishments in the game. But three weeks? Come on. Really? They're not serious. 
13 13 55 0467 736 736. Coming up this hour as well, I'll be talking to the new look Brisbane Bullets. In fact, they'll join me in the studio on court and off it. The front office and the front of court, the new coach, the new CEO. How the Bullets are rebranding, rebuilding. I mean, they're doing a great job off court. Memberships are up. I know when we spoke to the previous CEO uh, earlier in the year, they were talking about a, a new home, trying to get a purpose-built stadium. Where's that? What happens with uh, players going forward? There's been an overhaul in the roster. We'll get a touchdown with the Brisbane Bullets very shortly. Their season launched last night. But before we do that, let's get into this. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. Let's head into Hem- Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. Let's head into Chemist Warehouse where we peer back behind the curtains and we find here he is, Mal Meninga. Mal, good morning to you. Peer back behind the curtains. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you get that one from? Oh, I, I don't know. I just went yeah. with it. It just came with me. All, okay. right. All right. Yeah. All right. I'll go with it. I'll go with it. Hey, uh, text message is already coming in about the Prime Minister's 13. We'll get into that in just a moment. But, but Jack Whiten. Uh, I, I know you gave him a character reference. Can, can I ask what was part of that character reference? What was what was what did you write? Oh, just Jack as a person, basically. Yeah. It's yeah. not uh, how I found him, you know. So I've known Jack for over ten years, and um, and obviously I've coached him in my footy team. So I mean, he's not the type of person that will do um, what he was charged with, basically. But you know, I mean, um, I just went on his character, and you know, he's to me, he's He's a great ambassador for a great and a great, great person. I have an issue with what could have happened and should have happened in that tackle, but the outcome has been that Jack's been found guilty of biting, but only gets three weeks. And I say only, Mal, because to me, that doesn't seem like the punishment fits the crime. Oh, I, I look at I look at the incident, and it's been obviously well played, and you know I sat through it on on Sunday as well, and um, there's, there's clearly as bite marks there, there's, and it's bottom teeth, and there's a he's got a mouth guard in, so he's got you know obviously there's still marks there from the mouth guard as well. Um, there's ambiguity. I mean, look at both arguments. You know, you could you could say, yeah, um, Tyson Gamble had his arm inside. Jack's mouth and he was, he was squeezing in and he was trying to twist the head. Um, that's the argument. Um, Tyson Gamble didn't even come and testify, Ben. You know, so I mean, the evidence is just in the in the footage and the and the obviously the the, the vision that, that happened in the game. So I um I worked uh, with the Titans when uh, Kevin Proctor was charged with a biting charge as well, mm. and. Um, it was it was just so hard. It's just so hard to prove, mate. To be honest with you, you know. So I mean, in Kevin Kevin Proctor's case, he was found guilty, got four weeks. Um, I feel I feel Jack's sentence of three weeks was fair compared to Kevin's. And we're going to compare, you know, oranges with oranges. Um, I thought it was a fair outcome. Um, my my belief was that when he was charged with a, he, he was pleaded like he got guilty. Um, the, the review committee went back and they said, well, it's between two to four weeks, so they come out with a three-week three, three week, um, sentence, and I just felt that was fair. It's just so much ambiguity in it. You just can't – you just don't know. Who do you believe? You know, I probably believe both, 
to be honest with you. You know, so you're probably somewhere in the middle. So, yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one in these all these cases. It's you just don't know who was the instigator. And Mal, that that's how the process has played out. But but my issue is with the actual punishment, be it even Kevin Proctor, four weeks. I mean, Corey Horsburgh, you and I spoke about Corey Horsburgh a couple of weeks ago saying, how is, he even, how is he even put on report for this? And yet he's sitting out for four weeks. So if Corey's getting four, how does Jack get oh, three? Again, how, again, how, Ben. How, how does, how does again. biting How does biting get yeah. three? Um, well, it's, again, I go back to the ambiguity argument. You know, so you don't know who's at fault. Uh, in Corey's incident, well, you know, obviously it's, again, well recorded. There's a lot of, a lot of instances that happened uh, through the year where, yeah. you know, there's contact with the head and then you make some judgments based on all that. There's so much ambiguity in a biting charge in particular, um, even, a, even a gouging charge. You know, there's so much, there's so much um, doubt. There's a lot of grey in it. There's no black and white. In that, no. You know, so and and, and no Mal, I, so I, it's hard to make those judgments. And I understand that. And you, and and we're not, and you're not there in that moment. You don't, don't no. quite, We don't quite understand. Um, Jack's saying obviously that you know, um, is in his mouth and he was trying to get away from it. You know, so what do you do in that in that instant? And we took, and as you know. Um, Tyson's arm was around his head, so why mm. isn't there some action against Tyson in that incident as well? And Mal, th- this is why we have judiciaries, tribunals, courts of law, because all that gets argued. Exactly right. But 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 at the end, at the end, a decision is made, and he's either guilty or not guilty. It's you know, what's the old saying? You can't be half pregnant, right? So you're yeah, either gu- oh, guilty well, or not. Yeah, guilty or not guilty. So take take. It happens in a court of law, though, Ben. It happens if it's. It's guilty, a guilty charge, and there's yeah. all variances of, of sentencing, you know. So there's ne- there's never one, um, you know, black or white. Um, that's that's your, if you get charged with murder, as an example, it doesn't. It says some summer gets eight years, some gets fourteen, some gets twenty, some gets twenty two years, you mm. know. So or some get life, you know. It's 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 that judicial system that obviously looks at the case case by case. And they feel in this instant there's a lot of ambiguity. They're not quite sure. Tyson Gamble didn't turn up uh, even to give some evidence. He was quite adamant on the football field, uh, but he didn't come in and um, give any evidence and to, to back up uh, what he said on the field. And he's made a comment on the way when the game was over. Well, what's what um, what happens on the field stays on the field. Yeah. You know. So and then all of a sudden, then Jackson, there, he's arguing. He's for his life. You know, not not for his life, but he's arguing. The fact that, um, you know, because his arm was was inside his mouth and it was applied pressure, you can see him squeeze in that the marks were caused by that pressure. You know, so I, I would suggest it's probably a bit of both. If someone's got a, some, someone's got an arm or yep. a uh, you know, forearm in my mouth, I'm trying to get him, I'm trying to get that forearm out of my mouth. How do you do that? You try to turn away. If he's still still squeezing in, well then. Sometimes you got to bite down on it, don't you? But that's the, that's in, in in life. You've got someone around your neck, um, and a bit of a scuffle, you know, independently of footy, out and about somewhere, you know, and someone's got someone in a, in a choker hole, or got you around the mouth and got you in a headlock. What do you do? You do what you can to get out of it. That's exactly right. 
All right. I still I still don't think the punishment fits the crime, but Mal says there's circumstances involved, not black and white. It's a good discussion yeah, to have, isn't it? There's always circumstantial evidence, isn't there? There's always circumstantial evidence, and um, that applies to any any case. You know, whether it's with a legal case or in this case, it's a sporting case. 13 13 55 0467 736 736 if you'd like to get involved. Uh, the Australian coach, Mal Meninga. So let's start talking about the Australian team too, Mal. Um, Prime Minister's 13. M- Murray has sent a text in and he says this is tongue firmly in cheek, but Cameron Murray and not DCE getting the captaincy of the Prime Minister's 13? Is that a concession to Mr <laughs> Albanese? Oh, I mean, Mr. Albanese is a big, mad, rabbit-nosed fan. Correct. Know that. No, no, no. So, and that's part of that's part of it. But, was that so a captain's? Was that a captain's call? Well, the, the thing about it, the thing about it, the PMs, the PM actually sits in and, and uh, helps helps select the football team. Yeah. Um, he takes an active part in all, which is fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, there's a couple of criteria, obviously. Um, we want to prepare our players who are you know, in the the bottom 11, I suppose, um, uh, in the competition to get another game before we go into the into the uh, Pacific Championships. Um, it, it's a great opportunity uh, for younger players like the Emre Gullers and the Tyrell Sloans uh, of, that, of that ilk, you know, the Lofi Khan Pereiras to get an opportunity to play at representative level. They all had you know, really good years this year independently, you know, at their club. So it's a bit of, it's a bit of everything and it's a, it's it's more than rugby league when we go to Papua New Guinea, you know that. Um, you know we've we've got obviously messaging, you know, uh, up there about you know life skills and things like that that we do uh, uh, all the time. And then obviously there's a um, there's a big push for a Papua New Guinea side, you know, to come into the national rugby league down the track as well. So it's um it's a bit of fun, um, but at the same time it's uh, you know we're planning on rugby league as good preparation for the Kangaroos at the end of the year. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's uh, using rugby league to uh, what was the what was the term they used to drive social awareness messaging? I think that was so, what. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. right. So we've been doing that since two thousand and five, Ben. Yeah, how good. And you know, so we've always had this great relationship um, with the Papua New Guineans, and you know, we go up every year, and it's you know, fantastic experience for everyone. And obviously, a women's team has been named as well, and and uh, a schoolboys represent and schoolgirls representative as well. So it, it's taking a, a, a all levels um, on uh, both sides of uh, NRL and NRLW as well. You, you've got a few blokes in there, Mel, in this squad that wear the six and seven on their backs at club level. Uh, DCE, Tom Dearden, uh, Ben Hunt, Nico Hines, uh, Cody Walker. Cody Walker, yeah. Yeah, where are you going to – where are you, you can't all play in the half. I'll fit them in. I'll fit them in. <laughs> I'll fit them in. It's not a problem. Like I said, it's uh, it's uh, the Prime Minister's 13. It's, uh, it's a little international match, but um, they'll all get – you know, really, you know all get, everyone gets the opportunity to play, you yeah. know, obviously, you know. So uh, they'll get to play in different positions, which is great, you know. So they have – they. They take great enjoyment out of it, to be honest with you. You know, it doesn't really matter if they don't play in their seven, they might play fullback. I might put DC fullback or something like that. I'll put him in hooker. You got a few you got a few hookers there. You got Reese Robson, you've got Cameron McGinnis. Well, I could put Reese in the centres, can I? You know, I can do that. Uh, (laughs) We stand the coaches stand on the sideline and we just send people on and bring people off again, you know. So it it is like I said, it is it is fun. It'd be a packed crowd up in Port Moresby. There's Mm. no doubt about it. They've all enjoyed their footy and It'd be physical. We all know it's going to be physical. Oh, oh no. Oh, no.
Uh, we're going to try and get Mel back on the line, but uh, he may have given us a, a little hint then to how he may be using this game, and it's not in a serious manner. He, he may want to correct this when he comes back on uh, because my next question to him was what it comes to and when it comes to the centres. So if he's talking maybe running Reese Robertson in the centres, Reese Robertson in the centres, does, does that mean it, would it be a centre audition for a couple of the players when it comes to... Australian kangaroo selection. Have we got Mel back? No, we can't get him. All right, what we'll do, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We want to get his thoughts because I really want to hear what he is thinking about Australian test selection. Yes, and the centres. And where, where does Stephen Crichton fit into all this? Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. You can have your dream. You're the best around. Nothing's going to ever keep you down. You're the Slam and Sam out doing him. I thought you were going to say the best a man can get. I thought it was the Gillette ad for a second. Uh, we are speaking to Mal Meninga as we do every Wednesday. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Rush into Chemist Warehouse. Half price vitamins and cosmetics. T's and C's apply. Mal, it's more than just cosmetic. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> with the Prime Minister. Oh, oh, I know. <laughs> I thought I had a segue there, but no, it wasn't really going to work. Okay. Well, no, 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 no. no. I'm going to go follow that line. You need more okay. than just some sort of cosmetic touching up when it comes to your centres for the Pacific Series coming up. Um, Latrell Mitchell, do we rule a line through him? And Valentine Holmes, do we rule a line through him? Um, with uh, Latrell, obviously, um, yeah, the club has, has ruled him out. So um, uh, he's obviously got to go in for a finger operation. Um, so, yeah, so he's been ruled out. And we're not quite sure with Val, to be honest with you. So um, we're still waiting on on the um, integrity, obviously, and our integrity to get, get, uh, make their decision. So that's where we are with Val. All right. Well, I'm tipping your planning for contingencies. Who, who's frontline centre for you or centres for you right now? Um, well, I look at I look at Origin you know, straight away. And I look at Origin and uh, two guys played in the centres that are available. And uh, that's um, Bradman Best and um, uh, Hamaso, uh, Tabii Fado. So obviously they had, they had pretty good uh, series and had good years as well. And Bradman's still going. Um, uh, for the Knights at the moment. So he's obviously in uh, in contention. Uh, like I said, we've just got to wait for Val and see what happens there. But, you know, Murray Dungy is obviously, you know, he's played in the centres for the Cowboys before. So we've got a, we've got a few options. Um, yeah, so we're and, and Murray's one of your World Cup Yeah, Murray's one of your World Cup boys. So, I mean, he, he's yeah, a green exactly. and gold he's incumbent, isn't he? Yep. Yeah. Okay. He is, exactly right. So, you know, so we've got, we've got, um, we've got some really good options, there's no doubt. And then we've got, we're taking Zach Lomax. I, you know, he had a great uh, end to um, the year this year, obviously. Um, he was part of the PM's team and part of uh, the PM's teams for a couple of times now. So uh, he's, um, I think he's in the, in the calculations as well. I, you know, I think he's a very good player. Mal, when you look at State of Origin, and, and I put this question out to the listeners yesterday, who, who would you have if you were picking an Australian team right now in the centres because we think no, well, no Luttrell and we think probably no Val Holmes. Uh, a lot of uh, texts were coming in about Stephen Crichton. I mean, he played for the Blues, but he also wore a blue jersey last year in the World Cup 
with Samoa. Yeah. Be, being a Tier 2 nation and playing Origin, that still makes him eligible to play for Australia? Oh, it does. Um, but, you know, we... we really keen on on spreading the word from an international you know point of view um, Samoa did tr- tremendously well in the World Cup last year and you know I, I it's my own personal view um, you know we've got to reward uh, the, the guys who are passionate about the green and gold jersey and um, Stephen's obviously passionate about uh, the blue jersey is Samoan heritage and um, he wants to play for Samoa so I'm really I'm really happy for him to do that um, but you know I want players that are really passionate about playing green and gold. And what the National Rugby League and obviously the NRL have done in recent times, they've paid, there's pay equity now. So there's no reason, there's no financial bonus to come play for any country, really, because everyone's going to get paid the same, both men and women. So I just think that it's fantastic as well. So it just comes down to, you know, want to play for your country, want to play with passion. You know, that's, that's the jersey you put on. And... Um, I believe in, in Stephen's case, and he proved that last year. He wants to play for Samoa. So, so that's not a conversation you've had with him for this year? It's not my conversation. He's, it's his, his, his conversation. You know, he's gonna, if he wants to play for Australia, he rings me. I don't ring him. All right, there we go. Stephen Crichton. Uh, not in calculations at this stage. Mal, let's talk about this weekend's games. Uh, obviously, there's two big semis coming up. Uh, one across the ditch. Newcastle are on a tear. They've won 10 straight, and they're heading into the Waz home territory. The, it's a great... Yeah. Actually, both these teams are a great story, aren't they? Absolutely. It's, um, yeah, obviously... It's going to be you know, a lot of interest. Um, obviously, the, the Wars weren't that good last week, but you know, missing Sean Johnson—that's that's, that's obviously that everyone's talking about. Is Sean playing or he's not playing? You know, so let's hope that Sean Johnson plays because that gives the Wars, you know, obviously infancy more more um, opportunity to win the footy game. I believe uh, that's my personal opinion. Um, but the Knights, um, you know, Carlin got through the game really well. Um, looked great. Um, looks like he wasn't affected by that shoulder at all. So another mm. week's rest uh, is obviously going to be a bonus for him. So it's anyone's game. Honestly, this time of year, you just don't know. You know, obviously, again, the pressure's on the home teams. We talked about this last week. The pressure's on the home teams. The pressure is on the Wars. Uh, already sold out crowd at Mount Smart Stadium there. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. Um, they've handled it all year. Um, so there's no reason why... They won't handle it again, but it, then it comes down to experience again, doesn't it? You know, so um, there's a lot of experience if Sean Johnson's playing. Yeah, well, he has been named to return uh, from that calf injury. Just, uh, Jackson Hastings for the Knights, we know, has been ruled out with that ankle. Uh, oh, but Clune comes in. I mean, he's done a good job for them so far. Uh, uh, the the It's split one each uh, this year, and uh, when they travelled across the ditch, it was to Wellington. Earlier in the year, the Knights, uh, yeah, the, the the Warriors did a job on them then, but uh, then they came back and played in Newcastle where they got beaten. But I mean, both both teams have have been on very different trajectories since since then. Yeah, well, a lot of resilience um, in the in the the Warriors team, and I you know I watched that game as round one when they played it at Wellington, and I'm really impressed by both sides that mm. particular day. Um, Newcastle attacking prowess, I mean, they put them under. Enormous pressure, but the you know the Warriors just kept on keeping them out, basically. You know, so yeah, it's 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 well, it's it's where this is where everyone stands up. This is where you get to find out about 
you know, different individuals in your footy team and about the, the processes and the systems that the clubs, you know, are being working toward or working at all year, basically. So it comes down to, to, to that, you know, has the, the Warriors defensively been outstanding, uh, the same as the the um, the Knights as well. They've been, you know, one of the best defensive teams all year. So I think they're up in the top four, both, both of those clubs. And then it'll come down to the attack and, kicking games and things like that and that's where you know I feel that you know Sean Johnson's obviously been you know the premier halfback when you talk about you know try assist kicking game all that sort of stuff um, putting putting the, the Warriors into the best positions um, he's been the best of that all year yeah that's Saturday night the winner plays the Broncos back here at Suncorp Stadium the following weekend Friday night the Storm and the Roosters the Roosters have just been decimated uh, although the Melbourne Storm their confidence has got to be carved up after getting touched up by the Broncos how do you see this one playing out down in Melbourne Mel? Um, well the Roosters will come prepared and they'll they'll give their all they'll they'll fight and scrap to the to the very end the 80 minutes but I I can't see the Craig Bellamy side not playing as bad as they did last week, basically. You yeah, know, you know the Broncos are great. The Broncos yeah. are great. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But they will not play that bad. Uh, they, they'll be extremely competitive. And I've got a feeling that the Storm will come out and play their best footy. Okay. Everyone says that. And that's what everyone says about Craig Bellamy coach teams. But you know what? When I hear Cameron Munster say, I've never seen us more disconnected. I'm, I'm, if I'm Craig Bellamy, if I'm Mel Meninga, Wayne Bennett, whoever, I'm worried. As a coach, yeah, no, well, it's up to him though. That's 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 uh, Cameron must must call himself out, um, you know. And Jerome Hughes obviously be just dis- disappointed around his performance, and Harry Grant will be very disappointed about his performance. So they're, they're some of our premier players, Ben, and they don't get it wrong, you know, two weeks in a row, in my opinion, you know. And this finals time, it's do or die. It's elimination. Um, they'll come out and play their best footy. Outstanding, Mel. Thank you. We finally got there, but it was brilliant. A great chat, as always. Mel Meninga, all thanks to Chemist Warehouse, of course. The throwdown tomorrow at midday. An extended version of what we have just done. We'll do it again next weekend, Mel. When you're here in Queensland, preparing for the Prime Minister's 13. All right, Slam and Sam, cue Bon Jovi, because it is half past ten time for a news hit. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Yeah, long before Charlie Cameron's Country Roads was rocking this city. Boom, 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 boom with the bullets. That was the big ticket item in town. And I've got two men in the studio with me now that are hoping to return the bullets to their glory days. That's right. Well, we know off court they are buzzing. It is hard to get a ticket to see the Brisbane Bullets, but this year they're hoping to make sure that that transforms onto court. I am talking about the new Bullets coach, Justin Schuller, and the CEO who's been in the role for, well, not too long, but his feet are under the desk, Malcolm Watts. Gentlemen, a very good morning to you. Welcome to Queensland's new home of sport. Um, Justin, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Yeah, exactly. We're all here (laughs) waiting, ready to go. Um, I know you're in the middle of pre-season. You've got the Blitz coming up, but I want to take you back before that. The pre-season with these boys, you've done something different, something special, trying to get them out of their comfort zone. Talk 
talk us through the camp at Lennox Head. Yeah, for sure. Like big part of what our season's about is is our culture and really identifying who we wanted to be and what we want to be. And so the best way to start that for us was get out of our comfort zone, um, put the guys in bunk beds, seven foot three guys in, in bunk beds, you know, being uncomfortable. You know, that part was was pretty important to us. And, I mean, Lennox Head's a beautiful... Oh, see, I was uh, about to say Lennox Head. I'm thinking this is, this is, this is a holiday, right? Yeah, but no, no, no. So you've got them roughing it in... In, in like a dorm style. Yeah, and a few of the boys spoke about it. It was, felt like school camp again, and that's exactly what we wanted, you know. And um, But more importantly, it was about building relationships. We've got a lot of new guys in yeah. this squad. It was a focus of me to really turn over the roster. I felt like the bullets in the years gone by had just recycled the same type of players. And so we really wanted to bring a new group through. But the big challenge of that is getting continuity straight away. And the best way for us to do that was definitely off the floor and, and build those relationships. So, yeah, we had that. Mal came down and uh, did a did a cook. We had campfire, Hang some on. activities. Hang it on. was great. You've got <laughs> hey, you've got the, what the CEO coming down to cook. Absolutely, Mal. What's, what we're about? One in all in, mate. What's what's your what's your what's your specialty? What's what do you? Well, uh, as as Justin was saying, <laughs> it was all about culture. And that well, it's got to start at the top. So I, I, I ventured down, and that's you know, I'm originally from the Northern River, so it was uh, you know great. You know, Lennox Head's a beautiful place to venture to, but I I rolled the swag out and and uh, you know, slept outside for a couple of nights, and uh, we had uh, I think the boys had a had a day off, and while they were doing that, I I come back and did some slow cooked meats, a couple camp ovens on the fire. Oh and wow, some slow cooked. No, it wasn't it wasn't bad. The boys were pretty impressed that uh, <laughs> there was no food poisoning. I think that's no what no, no high, high, risk, <laughs> high risk high risk. No, it was good. And look, that's we, a good you know, start. They, they, we come back and we had a big campfire by the beach going, so we were able to break bread. I mean, just simple things, right? So just break bread, sit together, and uh, get that togetherness and the connection uh, going. And Justin, I'll get into the new roster in a moment, but but Mel, I want to pick your brains because you've come from uh, a, what I say, sporting background. You've come from uh, the, the Queensland Reds, and you were part of the, the yeah. turnaround there. So that that's your background. You're coming into an organisation now to, I guess, to to bring them back up to get that on court success. Yeah, look, my my um, involvement in sports been the last five and a half years with Queensland Reds. Uh, ben, you know me well. I've been a rugby rugby man most of my life, so um, venturing to basketball is is really exciting exciting for me, really refreshing. My background before that is obviously business and, and heavily commercial. So um, I think in the opportunity to take this role on, I think I'm, you know, looking at strengths from the past, you know, I think it's important to, to uh, combine the, the experience in sport now with my business background and, and apply that to the changes that we need to make uh, to the Bullets organisation as a whole to take, take us forward. And again, this is one of the big anomalies for me in Brisbane sport, that um, whilst the Bullets haven't been travelling too well on court, off court, you're flying. It's hard to get tickets. Your memberships for this year sold have, out. have sold out yeah. already. Look, basketball in this country is absolutely booming. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's an number one growing sport. The participation in southeast Queensland two years ago, we had 28,000 participants, and I understand we're probably going to get to 70,000 this year in two years. That's so huge. Even, you know, I look at, um, you know, I've got a young son who you know, grew up with AFL and rugby league and rugby union and his group of mates the last two years, the consumption with NBA, NBL, yeah. you know, they're not grabbing the footy, heading out to you know, the park anymore. They're grabbing the basketball and heading down to the local half court. So I think on the back of that, and, the, look, and, and also the work that I think the NBL have done, you know, um, the, the investment into the NBL over the, over the years, it's, it's not – it's not sitting dormant. It's about to happen. It's happening now. 
Like I, I'm a big believer in what I'm seeing coming from other codes that it's this season uh, is where I think the NBL is going to come to a whole new level. And certainly for the Bullets, I mean, we're, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, look, Justin and I talk about it a lot. We're, we're looking at what we do now moving forward. We're mm. not really looking backwards. But if you look at where I think our team has been, um, uh, it's certainly the on-court performance hasn't been there, yet we're still selling out games. You know, that's not normally a metric you have in sporting yeah. codes. So there's something unique, you know, around uh, the, the, the game, the game day experience. And, and certainly for us this year, very confident in the work that Justin's doing with his team and the roster that we're going to be now performing on court. Um, and that, that Nissan Arena is going to be sold out. So you need to get in early and get those tickets. All right. How do we keep them? Uh, how do we keep them happy when, when they're there? How do we get a, a bullet spin? I, I see what there's se- seven new faces in your in your yeah, squad. Like, yeah, and, uh, and you're a new face as well. So I it's a new voice. Coaching staff. Uh, we yeah. kept one of the guys, but yeah, like it, it is a total fresh feel about the the club, not just you know front office, but off definitely on the floor. And you know, our identity is everything right now for us. So you know, in the preseason, we've really made it about our the defensive end of the. The game, and I think everyone's seeing that already. So we're not under the radar anymore on that part. Um, but the pleasing signs is the way we recruited was good people and then defensive minded. So we've been able to show that uh, in the first three games of preseason. Here we go a level up now. Like the experts were pushing these three uh, teams that will play now as as potential playoff teams. So that's where our, our true test will be now. And we're all about actions, not words. So you know, we'll let let what we do on the floor do our talking. Uh, and Justin, you, you were touted before getting this job as is one of the the, the, the new breed, the, one of the hotter young coaches coming through. Your experience um, at, at different teams, but also at national level with with junior teams or underage teams. But uh, since you've arrived, I mean, you 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 brought Sam McDaniel with you, or attracted him to the club, who you've had some experience with at uh, at, at Melbourne United, uh, getting seven new faces together, going on camps, the cohesion. How are you finding it now, what your three games into into the preseason? Yeah, like it's it's been really pleasing how quick it's come together. And mm. I think that starts with the type of people you bring in. So we knew we needed to bring winners into the club. So Sam McDaniel, 100% a championship winner, yeah. knew what, what to expect. Uh, but Mitch Norton's another key key person in that Way space. Perth, that, yeah. Um, you know, Queensland kid, bring him back, but he's won two championships in the league and know what it, it takes to actually do it in this league. So that was a big part to it. Um, you know, we've got two Olympians in Sobian Baines that have done things at a, an absolute high level, but then what can we do on the, the domestic stage? And so having those guys come in and then other guys that are just hungry that uh, maybe weren't the, the top tier guy in their team that they were at, but now come in and get a real opportunity to go and perform and, the beauty of our roster, we feel, is we're, we're 12 deep. Like we're, we're genuinely 12 deep, and that's going to be our point of difference as we go through this season. I'd argue 14 deep when you look at Rocco Saborski. When, <laughs> I mean, what is he, seven foot a million? He, yeah, he is, seven he's three. A, seven three. He's a big kid. Just he's in, 17. Yeah, he's, he's, 17, in, he's yeah. an impressive young lad. Like he, uh, He's very mature. In the way he approaches things, did I just call him a crystal? Did I just call, it's Zakarski, isn't it? Zakarski, is it? Is yeah. yeah, Rocco Zakarski. Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a name that everyone in Queensland will remember for a long time. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. I was fortunate enough to coach him at a world championship level, and seeing him in his own age group and how dominant he was at that. Um, but then you know now seeing him go against two of the better bigs in our league, in Tyrell Harrison and Aaron Baines, and day in day out he's he's challenging them, but he's also taking his lumps as well. And so we know for his journey and us being a part of his NBA journey, 
is really special, and you know we we certain we'll get him to where we where he needs to go. And, and that's the thing when you when you have something that's a well, I'm not going to say a talent. It's it's just a, a God given birthright to him. That that can sometimes be hard to coach because he's used to being that big. But how you actually hone that 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 can be a challenge. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the advantage of having coached him as a 15 year old. Yeah, uh, you've already got that relationship. Because big kids dominate, know. don't they? But Absolutely. when they come up against men, that's a different. Yeah, yeah. He's he's going through his lessons as a pro right now, day in, day out. And that's the beauty of the journey with him is, you know, some days is really hard for him, but other days he's he's kicking their tail and he's happy to tell them about it. So um, it's an exciting time for us to see someone so young that we know we'll have for two years in our journey. So that's the other beauty is there's no rush in his development. We can bring him along at the right rate. Um, and I think he'll be a, an absolute part of our success moving forward. And Justin yep. talks about, you know, not just selecting his roster based on talent. He was looking for good people. And, yeah, Rocco is a very well-grounded young man. I think that's, that's, that's credit to the stock he's come from. I've you know, been fortunate to meet both his parents and they uh, they keep him well and truly humbled. <laughs> yeah, you can't miss the old man. He's big too. That's where he yeah, gets his height from. <laughs> um, gentlemen, thank you for, for, for coming in and, and we wish you all the best for the season. We'll keep touching base throughout the summer. Mal, Mal before we go, I, I, sure? I do have to ask you this because um, Harry Froling was quite yeah. public on Twitter posting that since his injury, and we know what happened to him down in Wollongong, but he said uh, the other day, in fact it was uh, two days ago, since my injury, I haven't had one message from the Brisbane Bullets. Only people I hear from are former teammates and Sammy Mack and others in the NBL clubs. I wanted to give you a public rider reply to that. Yeah, look, I look, I feel for the guy. I think um, you know he's gone through a pretty unique situation and, and suffering a, an injury that uh, is, is quite long term. Um, you know, from from my position, I think we we have a, we have a care for all our past players, and it's a project we're actually you know, working on at the moment is actually you know, how we, we engage and, and and keep in contact and bring them back into the fold. Um, in terms of the um, you know the, the lack of contact, um, you know, I've, there has been contact I've, um, from different people within the club. Um, that said, he's feeling a certain way, and I think. Clearly, that you know, there's got to be an opportunity for us to to um, jump jump on that and, and see what we can do to, to help with his recovery. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't until uh, yeah the day we saw that um, you know the, the the Twitter note that I was fully aware of that. All right, Mal, appreciate the candidness and uh, Justin. Good luck for this season. It is coming up to seven away from eleven. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Thanks for your company in Queensland's new home of sport, SCNQ 693 AM or 1620 on the Gold Coast. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. That's the digits you need to get involved. Overnight in both our major winter football codes, there were marathon hearings at the NRL Judiciary and Tribunal. This morning, we're dissecting both of them. Jack Whiten is the luckiest man in rugby league. Are oh, you reckon? Three weeks for biting? Really? Come on. There's got to be something wrong with one of the most, oh, I guess, despised acts in the game getting a penalty like that. Shouldn't one of the worst acts in the game 
get one of the worst penalties in the game, and yet he gets just three weeks. Shouldn't the punishment fit the crime? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Malmeninga and I last hour had a discussion, a robust discussion around this. He said, Ben, there's circumstantial evidence. There's, there's all different types of issues. You've got to take each case on its merits. To me, I would rather a system where you know exactly what each act would attract as far as a penalty. Like when you're driving. If you're speeding and you're 10Ks or what is it, 13Ks over the limit, you get a set amount of points. Anything over that, it goes into another tier, another bracket. Surely they can set it out. Biting, gouging, minimum six weeks. Start there. No? Because, again, I look at Corey Horsburgh, who's sitting on the sidelines for four weeks for a shoulder charge. Well, someone deemed it a shoulder charge. Most of you, myself included, thought it was just a good hit. But he gets four weeks. And yet Jack Whiten, for biting, gets three. Does the punishment fit the crime here? Uh, I know on this, on the day, and I was one who asked, hang on, biting, shouldn't shouldn't he have been sent off? It was something that Graham Annesley was asked uh, about uh, when, well, before the case went to the judiciary. And this is the head of football and his reaction. I can't talk about this incident. All I can say to you in terms of how is one incident uh, assessed against another incident, no matter what it might be, whether it's a high tackle, you know, some high tackles are sent off, some aren't. Uh, Some high tackles are sent to the sin bin, some aren't. Uh, The officials have to make a decision based on what evidence that they believe they have in which to make that decision. And obviously the officials yesterday made the decision based on the evidence or the information that they thought they had. All right, that was Graham Asley at his Monday briefing, and and I'm happy with that. I'm completely fine with the decision that Ashley Klein and and the bunker made on on the day. It kept the game flowing. It made sure, when I say flowing, it made sure it was 13 on 13. Otherwise, it would have ended any chance the Raiders would have had of winning that match, in my opinion. So I'm happy with that. What I'm not happy with is three weeks for biting. Take Jack Whiten out of it, insert Fred Bloggs, whoever it may be, in, insert name here. Three weeks for biting. Are, are you happy with that? Or am I, am I misreading the situation? 13-13-55-0467-736-736. To me, Jack Whiten, luckiest man in rugby league. Three weeks. Should have been six at least, shouldn't it? Uh, then we venture over the other side of the Murray. In AFL land, Braden Maynard from Collingwood had a tribunal case that went for more than four hours. This was huge. It started at four o'clock yesterday afternoon. Still going at eight. Now, the decision they handed down, in my opinion, was the right one. He got off the collision that left Angus Brayshaw knocked out, concussed. Unlikely, well, he won't play this weekend. We know that. The Demons v Carlton. But should Braden Maynard have been suspended for it? Now, I know this is splitting the AFL world down the middle. I would argue what else he could have done. And that is what his team, and I say team, his legal team, argued. Uh, Fox Footy's David Zeta, he he was sitting in on the tribunal last night. 
uh, this was part of the Maynard evidence. He said he jumped, he put his arms out to his right and he felt contact between the ball that was kicked by Brayshaw and his hands. And he said once he looked and saw Brayshaw in his lane, his reaction was, oh shit, he's there. He says he then flinched and tensed up. Next thing he knew, according to Maynard, Brayshaw was on the floor and Maynard was rattled himself. He said he couldn't have cushioned impact despite what the AFL contended. He said he couldn't have opened his arms instead. Yeah, that's where the evidence started. They started bringing in experts. One of them was a bloke called Michael Coles. He's a biomechanic. And he stepped through body actions, what could have happened, trajectory. He boiled it down to the fact that Braden Maynard had 400 milliseconds to react. That is, that is a really short time. Uh, this is part of that evidence. Once Maynard is airborne, he is essentially, in Michael Cole's words, a projectile. He is a frisbee with arms and legs. Imagine that Maynard is in lane A and Brayshaw is in lane B. Car B veers into lane A and there's a collision. It should not be the fault of car A, which in this case is Braden Maynard. I'm not sure why they went down that track because... Uh, well, there we go. That was the evidence coming out of uh, the tribunal last night with Braden Maynard. So at the end, he was let off, much to many Collingwood fans' relief. Now, you may have a differing opinion on this. Yes, his shoulder contacted Angus Brayshaw's head. Yes, Angus Brayshaw was knocked out. He was concussed. And he won't be playing this weekend. Maybe he does he play in the prelim final if the Demons beat Carlton. And that would be at the Gabba against the Lions. Maybe the concussion is too severe for him to do that. Time will tell. But are you happy with the outcomes from both the NRL and the AFL Judiciary and Tribunal? I am one, not the other. Jack Whiten, the luckiest man in rugby league. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Six weeks should have been six. Although, I've got to tell you, Jack Whiten didn't help himself. It's not... It's not good to attack the opposition lawyer at any stage, but it is also not good to put out the line of, well, what would you know? You haven't played rugby league at the elite level. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! <laughs> oh, dear. He did have a crack at Patrick Knowles. That is the counsel for the NRL. Patrick Knowles, he used six different angles to mount his case before cross-examining Jack Whiten. And in that cross-examination, he suggested that Tyson Gamble had applied little pressure to the back of his head, then that would constitute the bite. Jack's response, how many games of rugby league have you played, mate? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Yeah, that takes me back to a few good men, I think. And look, I, I, I can't cop that as an excuse. How many games have you played? What would you know you haven't been there at that level? Well, sitting on the panel judging him, not only Tony Portua, but referee Paul Simpkins, who hasn't played at that level. So not the smartest move there, Jack. But also, I just don't think that's an argument that stands up. For me, that's that's someone who's grasping at straws. That's someone who can't mount an argument, and that's a default and fallback. And it's an argument that, to me, has absolutely no credence whatsoever. If you apply that in the professional world, there's no way that men would be obstetricians. Mm, let that sink in. Exactly. 
and you can list a whole number of other professions where, oh, well, you wouldn't know because you've never been there, you've never done that, you've never experienced it. It doesn't wash. It doesn't wash one little bit. Or you may be of the opinion that only those who have been there and know the game need to sit in judgment of those who are playing at that elite level. To me, no. As long as you have a basic understanding, or actually you do have an forensic understanding of the game, you don't necessarily would have had to have played it at the elite level. Sure, it helps. But as long as you have an understanding of what is going on, that's enough, isn't it? You've studied. You've studied it forensically. You've been involved in the game, maybe not at the elite level having played it, but have been involved in the game for a number of years. Yeah, there's got to be some prerequisites. I just don't think playing the game at that level is one of them. You may have a differing opinion. I welcome them. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Does the punishment fit the crime when it comes to Jack Whiten and biting? Actually, let's just take Jack Whiten out of it. Regardless of what you think of the player, player A was found guilty of biting. Three weeks. Is that enough? Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Speed. I am speed. One winner. 42 losers. I eat losers for breakfast. Breakfast. Maybe I should have had breakfast. Oh, brekkie could be good for me. No, 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 stay focused. Speed. I'm faster than fast, quicker than quick. I am lightning. Hey, lightning, you ready? Oh, yeah. Lightning's ready. Oh, ka-chow. Sam, Sam, Sam. Slamming Sam. And, and Oscar has sent a text through. I, I, I missed it, um, but he said, look, it's a lot better effort from your button monkey today. Out of break music has been on point. And then you go and rip in Lightning McQueen. Look, I'm a father of three. Lightning McQueen was a staple at our place 15, 16 years ago. Where the hell? Someone of how old are you? 20, I'm 21. 21. Oh, okay, yeah, no, so you would have grown up in Lightning McQueen yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. All right. Uh, look, the reason we are talking Lightning McQueen is, well, Sandown is coming up by SEN's coverage from the Enduros 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon, but it is a big weekend, a massive weekend for my next guest. That's right. Oh, he is down the tools from being behind the desk. He's also, not only has he put down the pen, but he's put down the sponge and bucket at the washed car washes that he uh, runs and owns as well. We are talking about the team boss, the team principal of Triple Eight Racing. He's back behind the wheel for the Enduros as a co-driver, would you believe, to Brock Feeney. Jamie Wincup, a very good morning. What is it like to be back in the saddle? Yeah, good morning, Ben. Uh, feels good, mate. Feels good, of course. I've I've loved my retirement year and a half, but um, <laughs> looking forward to getting back in the saddle. It's one of the best jobs in the world, so looking forward to cutting some laps this weekend at Sandown. Oh, nice one. I love the sound of that. But oh, once a driver, always a driver, right? Although, Gen 3s, how have you found them? Yeah, it's a good call. It's a good call. So the last car, or last year's car, I'd had 10, 12 years' experience with. So... 
it was I had so much muscle memory, just jump straight back in and off you go, you know. Where this is a brand new car this year, so it's it's quite it's quite foreign. You get in the car, it's, it doesn't feel like home. It still has a go pedal, a stop pedal, a clutch, and a and a steering wheel. So it's still got this, and you're still trying to do the same concept, trying to get the most out of the the tires on, on the track. But uh, it's a it's a foreign scenario. So all the main drivers have had all year in the cars, and, and have no doubt um, evolved quite a bit. Where the co-drivers have done very very little laps. So um, for me, I'm just focused on the the co-driver cup. The co-driver Grand Prix, we call it. <laughs> who can who, who can be the quickest of the of the slow guys? Um, hand the car over in one piece to the main drivers to do their thing at, at the end of the race. What What about you? The most successful of all time, calling yourself the slow guys. Yeah, I like that. Have you got any side bets going? <laughs> no, no. In the ladder bet on your own sport, Benny. You know that. Oh, no, no, no. I know. <laughs> but between mates, I mean, surely you can say, "Hey, uh, I win this one. Yeah, you're washing my car for a year. I don't know, something yeah. like that." <laughs> You, you know what? We all want to. We all want to stand on the podium, but really, the the um, the, the co-driver cup. It's it's a it's an unspoken about, unknown Grand Prix that goes on behind the scenes. There's no prizes. No one knows, but certainly the co-drivers know who was quickest over the weekend. So that's that's all that matters for me. <laughs> I like that. Um, there is a bit more on the line though than that, isn't there? Obviously, championship points. Uh, they uh, it counts more with the enduros. You've got Brody Kostek. Everyone's trying to hunt down. When I say everyone, I'm talking about Shane and Brock and Brock, who are you were in the car next to? Yeah, for sure. We um, Triple Eight Race Engineering, my team. We just uh, we just rolled over 20 years within the sport. Uh, last month so a uh, huge milestone for us and over those 20 years we've had contenders pretty much from every single team have been there pushing us hard right to the right to the flag and this year it's Erebus Motorsport they're doing a great job they led the championship the last round and then dominated the last round so they're by far the favorites but we we're a close second we're right in there um, they're only a couple of hundred points or 100 points up the road and there's 600 points up for grabs 300 at Sandown this weekend and another 300 at Bathurst. So the next two, it really shapes your year. So um, we've prepared well. We've put our head down. We're, we're certainly right in there, but um, mm. we've got some serious, serious contenders on our hand. Talking the numbers, uh, Shane is 137 points behind Brody. Brock is 228 points behind. So you're right, it's it's all there. It's all to be made up over, over the next couple of races. When it comes to that, the vibe this year, being the hunter rather than the hunted, is that, uh, I don't know, is that a good thing? Is it a difference? Um, what's the psyche like? Well, I certainly think you'd, you'd most prefer to be out in front yeah. and being the hunted, you know, no doubt. You, you take any any points you can get and the far up the grid you can be, the, the better. But um, we've, we've been in this position many times where we've, uh, we've had a hard-fought battle with another team right up until the last you know, last race of the last day. So, um, no, we're familiar with it. We're, we're, we enjoy the challenge. It's, 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 like a, it's like a marathon. You don't really – you're not high-fiving your teammates halfway through the marathon. You've actually got your head down trying to do the job, you know. But we, at, to, at the end of the race, you actually win, lose, or draw. Um, all that really matters for us is us. We perform to the best of our ability, you know. And that's one thing I have learned over the – the 20 years of being in the sport. It used to be about the result, but now it's about the effort for me. So if we if we absolutely give it our all and perform at our best, and I think if we do do that, I think we, we, we can get this championship. But 
if somebody comes up and absolutely smashes it over the top, then then they deserve it as well. So we're going to head down. We're not going to um, leave any stone unturned, but um, actually we're enjoying the challenge as well to see who who can be the best team over the year. Jamie Winkup, the boss of Triple Eight Race Engineering on the line, the Red Bull Ample Racing Team in action this weekend, along with the rest of the supercars we're hitting into the Enduros. Uh, Jamie, it's been an interesting year for Shane. It's been a hell of a year, a year of firsts, but this is the last year he's going to be with your team, isn't it? Yeah, correct. For Shane, uh, he's an icon of our sport. He's by far the the best driver on the field. I don't think anyone would debate that at the moment, coming mm. off two, two championships in, in dominant form. Um, and he's he's going to go overseas next year. He, he wants to pursue his NASCAR dream. Um, he did an unbelievable job a couple of months ago. One, one on debut in the main NASCAR series. First time somebody's done that in 60 years. Um, so he, he really wants to chase that dream. So we're, um, we're supporting him. Yeah, we had a contract with him for next year, but we're absolutely supporting the move for him to, to go on for, and uh, fulfil his dreams. But um, on top of that, it could be the last year of Sandown as well. Um, the, the horse track, we race around the horse track down right. on, on Dandenong Road, um, and there's big talk they're going to uh, they're going to keep the horse track but rip the race track up. Um, so it could be Ooh. the last year. So quite an iconic event. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's Formula One cars raced around Sandown back in the 1960s. So... You know, this could be the last time we we race around this um, this iconic racetrack. So, um, hope, I'm pretty sure, no doubt, we'll uh, the, the weather's going to be good this weekend. I think 26 degrees in Melbourne, which is unheard of this time of year. So, hopefully, we we'll get a good crowd out there. And um, who knows? Could be the last time, but it, it could be John Farnham's last time as well. You know, yeah. where we come back <laughs> another three or four years later. <laughs> Plenty of motivation on the line. Hey, I, you just spoke about Shane, and we know he's the best driver on the on the on the circuit. The the way he handled um, the incident at, at Queensland Raceway during testing uh, last week, I, I heard Dado talk about like you know he's parked it into the tyres at speed in a flat spin, but just you know nose on, which made it actually easier to repair the car. Uh, that's driver skills, surely, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he that he spun a full 360 and went straight in instead of side on. Side on, side on impacts are never good. No. Um, front, front or back is certainly better and probably um, I'm not sure what's less damage. We unfortunately we, we did have a an incident at, at Queensland Raceway. One of the brake nipples just cracked, just just cracked loose, oh. and that was that was enough to not have any pressure in the front brakes and. Um, Thankfully, race cars are safe. Race tracks are safe. We went through the gravel trap. It's, it took up a heap of speed, but he still had an impact into the wall, no mm. doubt, um, and caused uh, quite significant damage on the front of the car. So that's all been repaired. It's all ready to go. It's not uh, not something we're proud of, but it is motorsport. We can't. We try to wrap ourselves in cotton wool as much as we can, but yeah. it is sport at the end of the day, and things can happen. That's that's what sport's all about. So. We try to make it safer, but we can't completely scrutinise it as well. So, yeah, um, that's all fixed. That's behind us. Um, eyes forward to uh, to the next next couple of big big events. One last one from sitting behind the desk. So take the helmet off and put the boss's hat on. Do, do you put a little clause in, in, in Shane's contract to say, hey, mate, yep, go. We go with our blessing to the States overseas, but come back each year in that first weekend in October and do the mountain with us as a co-driver. Yeah, it was almost like you're in the office with me. That's exactly what we've done. Uh, <laughs> we'd, uh, we've certainly had that conversation. Um, 
ourselves, the team, I think Australian motorsport or New Zealand motorsport <laughs> fans, I think everyone would love to see SVG back at some stage. So he's, um, I know he's planning a really busy schedule, certainly next year and the year after. Mm-hmm. If, he, if he can make it happen, though, he certainly will, but um, it's 50-50 at the moment. Outstanding stuff, mate. Thank you. You've been very generous with your time. Good luck for the weekend. We, we, we love to see you back. What, what did you call it? The slow drivers back behind the wheel? Yeah, Come yeah, on. Just, like <laughs> <laughs> just a leisurely Sunday drive, weekend drive. Uh, Jamie Winkup, all the best for not only Sandown, but going into uh, Mount Panorama as well. It's uh, everything on the line when it comes to this championship. Thank you, Benny. Great chatting. Talk, we'll talk soon. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Who let the dogs out? Okay, Slam and Sam, you've lost me. What what what's the what's the relevance to who let the dogs out? I'm trying to think of the connection. I'm gonna I'm gonna let the man in the corner uh, that's standing in the corner and requested the song come and explain himself. Okay. No, he's leaving. The he's, Hoff, he's running away. Yeah. The Hoff is the conductor of this show. And what he said to play Who Let the Dogs Out. Yes, so I said pick a song, any song. That's what he suggested, and given he's the conductor, I'm not gonna argue with him. All right, you two. There will be a talking to after this. 13, 13, 55. We've got two minutes left to bring us on home. Actually, I, you know what I haven't done? I, have, I haven't given out the prizes. We have been gifted family passes to the NBL Blitz. So school holidays. This is happening down the Gold Coast. All the teams converging here. NBL Blitz, outstanding stuff. Now, I am going to give it to the best interaction of the day and... This one, actually, well, there's no name on this, but we're going to ring the number and we're going to say, champion, you have won a prize. This is the first one. And it's the text around the Jack Whiten case saying, what I can't understand is why is there no charge for attacking the head? Surely if you've got your arm across his mouth, this is above the shoulders. In my opinion, a penalty should have gone the other way. Are we serious about head knocks or not? It's hypocritical in this case. It's a really good perspective putting it on that. And Terry, who was part of our history lesson today, if you missed out on the beginning of the show, I spelt out three players who played at the Ecker. Three athletes, Don Bradman, Dally Messenger and John Coleman. Coleman Medal, AFL, that's right, have all played at the Ecker. So the romantic notion of housing cricket and AFL at the exhibition grounds while the Gabba gets redeveloped is a big one. But Terry, let us know that, hey, soccer was also a big part of the original home of sport. He gave us a history lesson. Greece, India and New Zealand were all part of playing soccer for Australia. Well, there we go. That music means it is time to hand it over to Cameron Smith and the captain's run. I will catch you next week, Tuesday from 9.